Hi everyone, it's Allison here. The modern data stack has received a great deal of attention over the past couple of years. We saw Snowflake go public at a massive valuation and saw other data warehousing solutions take off. And the resulting new source of truth of data spawned an abundance of products that made data teams far more productive in uncovering insights about their products and businesses. But the benefits to go-to-market teams have been limited so far. Those go-to-market teams are customers of the data teams, but they're further downstream from the data pipelines than, say, product teams. There's an untapped opportunity to leverage data in order to make customer teams more productive and more revenue generating. In this fireside chat, I spoke with Nick Midgick, the founder of Matic, about how sales and customer success teams can benefit from the modern data stack and how their customers will see the benefits as well. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and feel free to reach out to me with any thoughts. Let's dive in. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Now, Nick, I know you've thought a lot about customer success. Actually, just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about background, how you became exposed to customer success, how you learned so much about it? Yeah. So basically, actually, when I moved to the Bay Area, um, I had joined a startup that was in the um, identity theft protection space um, that ended up getting acquired. And I ended up joining a really early stage customer success software startup called Blue Nose Analytics, very similar to like the game sites, the Tatangos of the world. And that's really where I kind of got my start in customer success. I was more, I was the first business hire. So I, I did a little bit of everything from product, onboarding, And I got to really spend a lot of time with customers and really understanding, okay, like what are the workflows in customer success? What are the data that they share? How do they interact with customers? And it was really eye-opening for me just to kind of see. And I I would say at that stage, the customer success platforms weren't necessarily mainstream. You know, Gainsight had just started. Nick Meta had just taken over at Gainsight. Tatango had been around for a while. But I think the, the category of customer success, especially as a software, was just being defined. So... That was my initial take. And then when I got, when I moved over to LinkedIn, I got to support customer success and sales. And that's really where I started learning more about, like I said, the data aspect of it. Now, what do you think is the biggest problem that customer facing people have today? And how are you thinking about solving it? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I think that the biggest challenge is always time, right? Um, There are just so you know, especially if you are a mid-market or a commercial rep, even even strategic, right? You are getting inundated with a lot of things. I, I view customer success, they kind of have their hand in a lot of cookie jars, right? They, they're working with the customer, customer relays information back to them about the products, and then they have to work with product, right? That, so they, they kind of see everything in the business. And as a result, I feel like sometimes their time is really spread thin because they're interacting with the customer. They're also working with product support internal teams to make sure that the customer is adopting. Um, so I think time is a big component. Part of that too is just, you know, we are inundated with data now. And so, you know, I think the the need to be able to tell these stories is really huge. And I think that's why a lot of people are doing business reviews and renewal decks and, and all that, which is also very, very time consuming. So um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I've observed, you know, over the past 10 years and just working uh, with customer success professionals. That really resonates with me, you know, having led customer success teams and worked with a number of them as clients as well. I mean, they're the most strapped and I think often the most stressed as a result of it. 
How do you think the distribution of a customer success person's time will change over the next five years? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, I think the goal is that they really just focus on strategic things, right? And so strategic being like, how can they become thought partners or thought leaders with their customers, right? And really focus on the things that can't be automated or things that that really add value to the conversation. And I think a lot of the times we have check-ins, we have all these, you know, we have meetings set up, but you know, the hope is every single time you meet with a customer, you're adding some sort of value, right? And that there's a purpose to the call or there's a purpose to the meeting. So I think my hope is, you know, in five years that, that like I said, all those mundane tasks that CSMs are having to do today, whether it's like collating feedback, whether it's putting together, you know, a, a QBR, whether it's, you know, recording information within, you know, Salesforce or record of a system of record, right? Those things can all be automated and they truly focus on the needs of the customer. Um, moving forward. Now, I know customer success operations in many companies tends to be a really key enablement function for customer facing people, or it could be RevOps, uh, but some kind of, there's usually there's some kind of ops function that's supporting CSMs. I know you've thought a lot about ops as well. What should ops people do to be enabling their CSMs nowadays? I think the biggest thing that they need to do is is a lot of times CS ops or analytics or people that support sales and customer success, they have never been in the role. And so if they haven't been in the role, my suggestion to them is always shadow a call, talk to the reps, see what they're doing. Because, you know, like I said, I, I've never been a customer success manager myself. I've, I've been customer facing. But when I was at that LinkedIn, I got to shadow a lot of CSMs. I got to shadow a lot of reps. And it was a really eye-opening experience. And today we have technology that can help us, Chorus, Gong, right? Like even if you don't have the time to necessarily attend a meeting, Go watch the recording, see what the customer, what the customers are, are saying about the product, see what, how the CSM is interacting. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, as an ops person, your customer is the CSM, right? Is the, is the account executive. You need to be able to really relate to them and really understand what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. I think second, really just being curious and really seeing what's out there, not being stuck in, in your ways. And as a result, you should also be adapting. Being curious and also just really understanding your customer, which is the customer success manager. I know that many ops folks, as well as many customer success folks, are constantly trying to keep up with what are the best in class tools that they should be using, especially for ops folks. They're, you know, they're often the people who are owning these tools, administering them, making them available and beneficial to customer facing people. And I feel like a key part of the ops role nowadays is ensuring that you're up to speed on these tools. You know, if I'm an ops person, what tools should I be thinking of for my customer facing teams? Like I said, every company is a little bit different. What are the big pain points that your CSMs are experiencing today, right? And what are the rocks that you as an organization are trying to move in the, you know, in your fiscal year, calendar year? And so I, I actually tend to start there. But I, like I said, going back to what I, I said earlier about, hey, what do I think are the biggest things that are plaguing CSMs. And I think it is time. I think they are spread so thin. Um, and so anything that's around automation that can help them, you know, automate some of their tasks, I think are big, whether that is putting together a QBR, even whether that is note taking, whatever, whatever tasks that they're doing that you feel like have a big impact on some of those rocks. I think those are the things that you should be moving forward with. And Nick, tell us what Matic, your company does. We, as a company, Matic, we're a platform that we help um, CSMs, account executives automate these data-driven stories, right, in PowerPoint and Google Slides. So I, you know, when I was at LinkedIn, like I said, I supported sales and customer success. Even at Blue Nose, a big request that we always got from our customers was, hey, 
we do these business reviews or we do these renewal decks or we do these ROI decks and you know, we're sharing this data with customers and they really want this data, but it's just so time consuming to go and assemble it and put together the right story. And so our hope is through Matic, you can go ahead and, and streamline and automate these data-driven insights in these stories being presentations for whatever touch point you have, whether it is a business review or renewal deck, onboarding deck, that you can be bringing these insights uh, to the customer at scale. How does that work exactly? How are you, I mean, I, I know that the way you think about it is you're sort of automating the customization of a lot of different content. Like yeah. how, how can that possibly work? You have templates today, right? Your your ops team or your insights team or, you know, enablement will create these stories, these templates. And the workflow that we've seen is that there's a template, rep will go and make a copy of the template. And then there's placeholders that will say, hey, go to tableau to get this chart or go to the crm to get this data point and so for the most part it is a repetitive story from customer to customer the the time consuming part is actually going and pulling the data and then sometimes even having to kind of adjust based on the outcome of the data and so for us what we do is we've built two sides of our product an admin side and end user side and the admins we allow them to easily connect to these different data sources whether it's a database whether it's looker tableau whether it's salesforce and create what we call dynamic content and so for them we want them to be able to like i said onboard templates really quickly and fuse these data-driven insights and then on the flip side we want to allow end users so the csms themselves to be able to like i said select a template give some sort of input to matic like this account i want this I want the data to be this date range, right? Kind of similar to filters on a dashboard. And then we go ahead and pull the data and we can even add custom logic that says, hey, if the outcome of the data is this, delete this slide, move on to the next slide that maybe tells a little bit of a different story. And so the hope is 80-20. We get the rep 80% of the way there. We know that data can't codify everything, but you know, with the conditional logic that we can get really close, maybe 90, 95%. But at the end of the day, the rep always has context with the account or the meeting. They should have the ability to go and make edits, tweaks if they need be. And so that's why we really focus on having everything be native within PowerPoint or Google Slides. They're familiar with those tools. They can go and make tweaks. They can make changes after the presentation is generated. But hopefully they're 95% of the way there. What kinds of data should customer success folks be sharing with their customers? Great question. I think the most common that we that we see, right, is is usage data, right? Especially if you are in the in the in the SaaS world, it's like, hey, I have purchased your product, and as a result, how am I using that product? And so, communicating that usage is the biggest thing. I think the the gap that we see today is how do you translate that usage to value to ROI? It's like one thing to say hey, Allison, you've generated this many presentations, but what's the so what behind that? How does that tie to the pain point that why I purchased your product? So I look at it like you have basically what you've purchased as a data source. You've got your usage data. And then the third pillar is like, okay, how do I translate that usage data into ROI or value, right? Whether it's a business outcome or whatever it may be. And I think if you can kind of go across all three, that's the holy grail. I know there are a lot of product-like growth companies there that are thinking, gosh, quarterly business reviews, that feels old school or not something we need to be doing overhead. I obviously disagree with that, I think, but, but I'm curious to know what your take is. I'm less so focused on just like the concept of QBR, more so focused on just these data-driven insights, right? And I think the vehicle is a QBR, a renewal deck, an ROI deck, right? And so 
as the switching cost from software to software becomes lower and lower, the need to be able to show ROI, the need to be able to show adoption via data is becoming more and more key, right? And so whether it is a, like I said, a QBR, whether it's a renewal deck, whether it's an ROI one pager, I think customers are wanting that type of data, those type of stories to see, hey, I've invested this, you know, with you guys, I want to see what my return is. And so especially, like I said, especially with competition, especially with software and, you know, SaaS, it's not like the old days where, you know, hey, you buy software, it's tough to switch to another software. Now, if you don't like the software, it's pretty easy to go from one to another. It's harder to build those moats, right? So I think data is going to be becoming a play a really, really key role in making sure that we are communicating that ROI to our customers. We often think of, you know, PowerPoint as being this maybe like story, old school tool. But the reality is the reason why we think of it that way is because it's often static and can be like manipulated. And whereas I think what you're saying is customers are demanding the data. Let's just use format that they're accustomed to in these sort of classic forums for interacting with them and, you know, ensure that we can service those insights through that. I think most of the times you have dashboards, right? Like you'll have in product, there'll be like a dashboard that a customer can go to, but the likelihood that the customer is going to go to the dashboard, you know, like I said, play around, pull the data, do their own analysis. They're actually expecting the CSM to do that. That's the, C- that's the strategic part of the CSM it should be doing, right? And so for us, if we can help them personalize and customize these, these presentations at scale, we think that is just a massive efficiency lever and it can also just influence these business outcomes, right? Because I think if you looked at the data, doing a QBR or early on or doing a renewal deck and showing this data over time, right, will have a massive impact on these business outcomes, like higher renewals, higher upsells, cross-sells and so forth, right? Because you're bringing the customer on this journey and they can, you know, adapt. Oh, we aren't adopting in this area. Or, hey, you've bought in all of this stuff, but you're only using 25% of the feature set that you bought, right? And so if I flag that early on, right, then, you know, the likelihood that they're going to churn at the end of the, probably going to be lower because I've given them the time and I've given them the advice to be like, hey, here's how you could be u- utilizing these features in a more efficient manner. Going back to this product-like growth contact, you're talking about, I think, applies to not just the you know, top-down models, but also companies that have a product-like growth engine, and then they convert those self-serve users into corporate-level contracts, and then they've got a customer success manager who's working right. with the client. And I feel like in those kinds of businesses, there's so much data, you know, that could be shared with customers, you know, in various forums. And it's often the CSM job to communicate, hey, like, as you said, you know, here is the value that your users are getting. I've also noticed that salespeople are often in a position in these PLG companies where, they're trying to explain how much value self-serve users have gotten so that they can convince the company to make a corporate level contract. Are you finding that you have some interest from folks like that? Yeah, totally. And you're right, because those self-serve companies, those PLG companies, right, those freemium users or the people that are using, that's a massive data set that they're collecting. And so to be able to have like a, let's an example that a lot of our customers are doing are like, one pagers to be able to go to that pod of self-serve users and be like, hey, here's the value that you guys have gotten. Here's the usage. Here's how that usage has translated to value. Let's get the broader team on an enterprise contract or let's let's get you guys up the funnel. Right. So um, totally. I think those pilot reviews, a lot of people will do trials and just be able to say, hey, this is what you've done over the past month, right, of using our product. 
here's why we think you should move over to an enterprise contract. I think it's a, it's a great use case a lot of our customers have adopted. So dive a little bit deeper into, I think, an example you just shared. If I'm a low-touch customer success manager or maybe someone with a different title, like product specialist that's working across many self-serve users, yeah. how should I be thinking about communicating with them about how they're using the product? Today, probably my gut tells me that they're picking and choosing who gets that, who gets some sort of love, right? Because it's one to many. They've got probably two, 300, 400, in some cases, thousand accounts that they manage. And so I, I think the biggest thing in, in communicating to these folks is, I think you always want to translate value. You want to translate usage to some sort of value or ROI. And I think one interesting thing that we've seen within the marketplace is people are starting to kind of codify you know, why people buy, right? Like product marketing has value props and you start seeing like probably, you start creating a library of 10 to 15, hey, these are the reasons why people bought our product or why they signed up for self-serve, right? And then you can translate metrics and usage data to those value props and then translate to some sort of ROI, right? And so, you know, what we've seen is is people kind of like create those, uh, either ask up front, you know, in the product, when they sign up for the product, hey, why did you buy? And then, as they make those selections, tying the usage data to ROI to be able to say, hey, I'm going to generate a one pager automatically. Now, as a, as a one-to-many rep, I can go and generate 500 one-pagers every single month. And the customer doesn't know that, that you automated this, but they get something like, wow, you know, Nick just put this thing together for me. This is great. Hopefully that entices them to jump on a call, right? The action should be, hey, either go through our funnel or happy to jump on a call to see how we can get you to, you know, chat with an account executive to move to the enterprise plan. So we actually had a customer of ours early on. They kind of had a very similar like one-to-many model and they onboarded this really cool, you know, Spotify, how Spotify does like the year in review uh, at the end of the year, right? So they did the exact same thing, but they did that with their low touch, no touch customers, right? Uh, the rep sent out 41 pagers via email that kind of had this like year in review and he was able to get 10 meetings from those 40. And these were customers that were like going to churn, right? But they saw the data and it caused them to be like, hey, I actually want to have a conversation with this person to see how we can expand this, right? So great way on how to use data to get a meeting or to get a conversation going. Wow. And quite low effort. That's a really interesting example. I want to talk a little bit about the data aspect of a CSM's role and what you're noticing there. When I started out in customer success, the data warehouse didn't really exist meaningfully as a part of the tech stack for customer success managers. And now it's critical, I think, for really any role within a company. How would you say that data warehouses have changed the role of a customer success manager or changed the possibilities for how they can be data oriented? The biggest thing is just allowed, I think data warehouses have, have allowed tools like BI tools even, or just adjacent tools to be able to get the data more quickly, which then allows them, CSMs to have more self-serve to, to, to the data, right? And so um, I think it's been a huge benefit to you know companies like Tableau and Looker, and even companies like us who connect to these warehouses just to be able to better, you know, like I said, surface data to CSMs. Um, I still think that CSMs are sometimes having to play the role of an analyst. <laughs> and that, I think that's the challenging part, um, you know, because, uh, you know, they aren't necessarily a data analyst. And so how, how do you 
you know, empower them to have the right data and the right format that they can consume to be able to convey back to their customer. I think that's the, the biggest challenge. But yeah, I think data warehouses, not just from, not just from collating the data or being able to pull in, you know, like I said, support ticket data, CRM data, usage data all into one place, but also just the speed, right? I mean, I know, I know five, seven years ago, you know, you try to do something and, you know, dashboard would load forever or, you know, you'd run a query and it would take forever. Now the speeds are getting quicker and quicker. And I think that's just benefiting, you know, not just CSMs, but I think organizations in general. I was once speaking with a director of customer success who's asking me, what's the number one skill that you think people in customer success need to develop? And this is last year. I said, facility with data, I think is the most important thing. And he was nervous in response to that. I think a lot of customer success people think of themselves as people, people, their skills are more in their social interactions. Although I don't think it's necessarily always true. So I'm wondering, how do you see the importance of data skills to the role of customer success? I think it's imperative. Like I said, going back to the, the er- earlier part of our conversation, I think that you know, within five to 10 years, I mean, even now to a certain extent, just this ability to understand data and also communicate the data, I think that's the skill that CSMs need to get better at and continue to learn. We're not saying that like a CSM needs to know SQL, right? Or needs to, needs to be a data engineer to be able to go and get the data. Hopefully tools become smarter and smarter to give them access to the stories and the narratives that they have, but they do need to be able to see how data ties to a business objective or how it ties to a goal that the customer is doing and then be able to properly communicate that. I think that's the skill from a data perspective that I think CSMs need to hone in on. Um, and it, it is that storytelling. Like I said, we have a ton of data out there, but figuring out like, what is the so what that I should be communicating with the customer, right? I think that's the, that's the skill that, that's most important. And I think it kind of goes in line with what you mentioned earlier about facilitating that data to the customers. Nick, this has been an awesome conversation. To wrap up, I'd love to ask one more question, which is what's the one tip that you would offer to customer success folks everywhere? I think storytelling, just getting better at storytelling. And that is whether that is, you know, getting more savvy with how to analyze data or whether that's how do I translate that into something that the customer cares about. I think being able to tie data to actual business outcomes that your your customers really care about. I think that's the most important thing. No one loves the data dump. Um, I think it's your job to be able to say, hey, how do I communicate and how do I translate this data? to something that the customer cares about, I would say always keep that in the back of your mind when you're engaging with your customers. And I think that will lead to long-term success with your customers and prospects. Great tip. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nick. Awesome. Thanks for the time, Allison. <laughs>